Matthew chapter 14 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 28. I'm not going to say it. You're waiting for me to give you an invitation to go fall asleep. I'm not going to say it. You can stand right there. You can go back to your seat. You do whatever you want to do. But I'm not going to say those four words you want me to say. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Matthew 14 and 28. You do whatever you want to do. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you for letting me come. Brother Alex, there's something different about you. The moment you got in the pulpit yesterday, the moment I heard your voice, I could hear a different anointing upon you. I don't mean to embarrass you in front of anybody. But there is a very new and fresh anointing upon you. Hallelujah. Matthew 14 and 28. The Bible says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you, look at this, on the water. Everybody say on the water. That's a miracle right there. He said, Lord, if it's you, I, I, I don't want to get out of this boat if it's not you. He said, command me. You commanded me in the boat. The only way I'm getting out is if it's the same voice that told me to get in. I'm, I'm not getting crazy just because I've been with Jesus a few times. And I'm not, I'm not going rogue in my faith. I, I'm submitted to your word and your direction. So whatever you say to do or not do, I, I, that, that's what I'm going to do. But, Lord, I'm letting you know I have a desire to walk in the miraculous. And so if it's you... Command me to come to you on the water. I'm going to preach to you, and I, won't, I don't feel like we'll have to go very far tonight, but I want to bring to you a revelation of the miraculous as I feel instructed of the Lord and preach to you for just a moment on this subject, the atmosphere, the atmosphere of a miracle. The atmosphere of a miracle. Somebody say in Jesus' name, you may do whatever you want to do right now. You know, I can sit down right here on the floor for all I care. I don't care. You can stand up. I got to stand up. Amen. Do you ever notice that you only get 100% participation in church when you say you may be seated? From this moment forward, I will not get back to 100% of everybody standing and responding. It's only going to be to those that are hungry for a miracle. Amen. Everybody say the atmosphere of a miracle. The atmosphere of a miracle is the complete opposite of everything that you thought it was. You see, you think that, well, when I feel goosebumps and when I feel anointed and I get that preacher voice on me and I start speaking in other tongues and I got goosebumps trickling down my spine, then I can see a miracle. That is not the atmosphere of a miracle. You see, in this scripture that we just read, let's understand the atmosphere of this miracle. Jesus had just learned of a tragedy. He had just learned that his cousin had died, John the Baptist. He had just learned that the greatest prophet who had ever lived, the final voice of prophecy that prepared the way for his coming, had died at the early age of his younger 30s, of his early 30s. And he didn't die of natural causes. He died because he was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. Jesus was not happy about this. He grieved over this. He felt sorrow over this. And so he was trying to escape not only the crowd but also his disciples he wanted a time of alone, a time of solace, a time to grieve. But the multitudes thronged him and followed him. And then he found out they were hungry with no food. And so he said, all right, fine, let me feed them. 
What do y'all have out there? A few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And he did a miracle for them. He had compassion on them in his moment of grief. Trying to get away so he could cry a few tears. and Refresh his spirit. He feeds the multitude and he says, I need y'all to go home. And he looks at his disciples and he says, disciples, I need y'all to do me a favor. Get in the boat. And go over to the other side. I, I need a night alone to grieve the loss of my cousin. Just give me one night. I'll meet you on the other side tomorrow. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14 that the disciples immediately got into the boat before him and went to the other side. And he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And evening came. And he was alone there. If you have it for the screen, I want them to see this in Matthew 14 and 24. Now understand this picture. Can everybody use your imagination? I know you can't lift your arms, but can you lift your mind for a minute? Turn it on. Activate it. Jesus is grieving. Okay. Can you be Jesus? You already took your shoes off. He's on holy ground. Come on, Jesus. Get up here. Jesus is grieving, and so he, he feeds the multitude, and he says, okay, go home. And he looks at his disciples, and he says, get in the boat and go to the other side. And Jesus goes up the mountain, and he hides away. Go, 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 go hide away. <laughs> Don't let me forget about him. <laughs> we'll be like, tomorrow night, where's that shoeless wonder? <laughs> He's still sitting over there submitted. But you got to get this picture with me. Jesus is over here hiding away, grieving, alone. There's possible fear. Yeah, Jesus dealt with fear. He was a human. He dealt with fear. He was afraid. He dealt with doubt and insecurity. He was a human being. His cousin, who he said was the greatest prophet that ever lived, was just beheaded, killed. And now he's wondering what's going to happen to my life. I don't have my, my, my cousin the greatest prophet anymore. Now I've got to carry this burden alone. and I just need a night alone. And the Bible says that it was evening time and he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves. For the wind. Everybody say the wind. Say it was contrary. I got a subtitle to this this word tonight, it's, I, I, I could have called this an autopsy of the wind. An autopsy. You know what an autopsy is? It's what they do to a, a, a dead body, whether it be human or animal. And they try to figure out what was the cause of the death of this, this body. And you notice in this verse it says the wind was contrary. The wind will always be contrary when you are in the will of God. Hear me tonight. The word contrary in the Greek is not a very scary word, though. It just simply means opposite, like a stop sign or a red light at an intersection. It's just there to let you know, hey, I'm here opposing you. It's not that scary. It's not, it's not very threatening. It just means opposite. The wind was opposite, contrary to them being in the will of God. Now, let's establish this for a moment. We have categorized the miracle of deliverance as something to be ashamed of. It got quiet, but it's always quiet. It's okay. So I just say that to see if y'all respond to that. It got quiet. Say, mmm, or something. The wind was contrary. Why, why do we categorize deliverance as, as something to be ashamed of? I, I see it everywhere I go. How many of you need a miracle from cancer, a miracle from disease? You're dying. you got 24 hours to live. Oh, that's me. How many of you need deliverance? Isn't this interesting? Because the reason they needed deliverance is because they obeyed the word of God. Is that too deep? 
They obeyed the word and the direction of God. And now they're in a storm in need of his delivering miraculous power. Sometimes God will send you into the storm so that all you have left is the voice to call upon him. The Bible says, leave up these verses. We don't need that title slide. Put up, put up these verses. I want them to see this. The, it was at evening time, and the boat was where? You're going to get this picture. In the middle of the sea. I don't know if y'all have ever seen an ocean like in person or not. You ever seen an ocean? But the middle of the sea is the most dangerous place to be. Watch this. The middle of the sea is the furthest place from your protection and comfort. <laughs> he waited until they were in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. Everybody say, the middle of a storm. The wind was contrary. Next verse. Watch this now. Now in the fourth watch of the night, you know when that is? The middle of the night. The darkest moment of the night. They're in the middle of a sea. The middle of a storm. The middle of the night. Here it comes, Jesus. And Jesus went to them. Where you at? Walking. On the sea. Somebody give it up for Jesus. Just keep doing that for a moment. Walking. Where was he walking? Shout it at me. And the wind was contrary, right? Now watch this now. You know why Jesus isn't afraid or intimidated of your atmosphere? You say, you don't know my home. My family's falling apart. You don't know the school I go to. I mean, nobody knows what gender they are. They don't know what drug they're going to do that day. Nobody wants to. You don't know the atmosphere I have to go back home to. Watch this now. Jesus is not intimidated by your atmosphere. Do you know why? Because your storm is not his first storm. What does it say? The wind was contrary, middle of the night, and Jesus did what? He went to them walking. Put, put one hand, just one hand in your pocket. That looks cooler when you just do one hand. Now, wait, wait, wait. We're in the middle of the ocean, middle of the storm, middle of the night, and we're freaking out. And he's just on the sea. The thing that's trying to kill the disciples, he said, let me just put it under my feet and show you where it belongs. <laughs> you just keep on walking. Now, watch. Your storm... It's not his first storm. How do I know this? Because the Bible says in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. Put it up on the screen. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's the middle of the ocean, the deep. Watch this. And the Spirit of God, read it with me. Where? What's the face of the waters? <laughs> the surface. This wasn't his first time to walk on water. Watch. The word moved there in the Hebrew is rekaf. Do you know what that word means? I'm going to read it to you so you don't think I'm making this up on the spot. Watch this. Rekaf. Keep going. Hand in your pocket. Look cool. To move. Well, that ain't powerful. It says move, preacher. Yeah, but it, watch what it says. Rekaf. To move in a relaxed state of being as if one were just taking a stroll. 
going. I, I don't know if you're really getting it yet. You see, when anything goes wrong in our lives, let me show you. This is Jesus. Let me show you what we do. Storm. Chaos. Ah! You think I'm kidding you? Just a few months ago, I was in Florida preaching at a conference down there, and my whole family got to go, and our little terrorist, the two-year-old terrorist, Jackson, we were at the pool, Levi, was he can swim, the six-year-old, he's swimming, and, and he's in the pool, I'm kind of sitting there with my feet in the water, and, and I'm getting ready to preach that night, so I'm looking at my notes, and, and uh, I look up to check on Levi, I see, oh wow, he's diving down at the bottom of the deep end, that's cool, he knows how to do that now, and and then I look up like this, and I see Levi down at the end of that side of the pool. It was Jackson, the two-year-old, at the bottom of the deep end. I stood up and did what I just showed y'all. Ah! I hit my knee on one of the ladders, the arm. Boom. I tripped into the water, and I just go down. I pick him up and just lift him up above the surface of the water instantly, and he's just sitting there like, What are you doing? I got this. Man, I freaked out. I had to walk with a limp like I was cool for a couple weeks, banging my knee on the side of the pool. Then a few weeks, actually just a few weeks ago, we were doing some work at the church. I, I was actually not there. I, was, I think I was at the Colorado Youth Convention and. And my wife and my brother-in-law, her, her brother were there doing work at the church. Kids are running around. My brother-in-law's up in the attic working on stuff for the church building. My son, my six-year-old, climbs up the attic behind him, takes one step onto a tile, poof, straight through. Twelve feet. I don't know how many kilometers that is, but twelve feet down to the concrete. Twelve feet. Down, that's two feet above a basketball goal to concrete. My wife told me we all freaked out. <laughs> that's exactly how we act when, when, when we are in the atmosphere of chaos. And the Bible says that God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep. And he said, I got this. The Spirit of God did what? Moved. It wrecked off. It just took a stroll and said, I ain't going to freak out. So here he is. Here he is. He's grieving the loss of his cousin. He's up in the mountain alone praying. He looks out over the sea. Now, we already know he had the power to say these words. Peace. Be. Still. He could have said those words and gone back to sleep. Am I right? But he said, no, I want to teach them a lesson about the atmosphere of a miracle. He said, I'm going to show them they don't have to freak out. They don't have to go berserk. They don't have to lose their mind. I'll do the same thing I did in Genesis 1 and 2. I'll rake off. I'll just move on the face of the waters. I'll I wish somebody would hear me tonight. You need to let Jesus take a stroll in your storm. You need to let Jesus move in your mistake. You need to let Jesus move in your mess. You need to let Jesus just walk in your wilderness. You need Jesus to show up in your storm, to walk through your valley. You just keep going. You're going to get some good steps tonight. This is why David was a man after God's own heart. He knew the things of God's heart that pleased the heart of God. That's why David could say, yea, though I walk through the valley. Some of y'all have been in valleys, but you've never walked through a valley. You're too busy running for shelter, running from the storm. David said, if you know what I know, you can just take gotta run for thou art with me thou, 
thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. And he said, you look crazy. Get up here. This is Simon Peter. Everybody say, hey, Simon Peter. He's sitting over here in the boat. I need, I need a few more guys to get up here. A bunch of losers. He's one. He's one. He's one. He's one. He's Go ahead. You're, you're a loser. Get up here. Y'all sit down, losers. And here comes Jesus walking on the sea. Woo! In the middle of the night. It's never too late for Jesus. In the middle of a storm, he's never intimidated by your storm. The wind was contrary. Go back to Matthew chapter 14. And the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says, watch what they said. Verse 26. The disciples saw him. And for fear, they cried out these words. Think about this. Think about all these things, the characteristics of their atmosphere. They're, they're in the middle of the sea, the middle of the night, the middle of the storm, and now they're seeing ghosts. Could this night get any worse? It was bad enough without us having hallucinations and seeing some sort of spiritual figures. But the crazy one stood up. And he rubbed his eye. Okay, go ahead. You can stop, Jesus. And Peter, he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus responds to them and said, Do not be afraid, for it is I. <laughs> In other words, he came there. The number one, the first thing he did is he rebuked their fear. Because in the atmosphere of a miracle, you can't operate in fear anymore. You must operate by faith. Listen, listen, listen. You can't operate in the what if I die when you get, it, when you get into the atmosphere of a miracle. You can operate and say, but what if it doesn't work? And what if they don't believe me? And what if, I, what if I witness and they don't receive it? And what if I pray for her and she doesn't get the Holy Ghost? And what if I try to witness to my dad and, and he doesn't want to hear it? You got to switch it to this. What if it does work? What if I do get healed? Uh, what if I do get delivered? Uh, what if I do get set free? Uh, what if I do see a miracle? Uh, what if we do break out in revival? And so the next verse says that Peter stood up. And the Bible says he spoke to him. Look at what he says. Verse 29, verse 28, excuse me. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this just amazes me because he shows his submission. You told me to get in the boat. I've learned not to step out because I feel a little faith and step out of your will. Now, i got to step out of my flesh and out of my pride, but I won't step out of your will. And so he says, if it's you, Lord, command me to come and watch. Now, you think about this. I know we got some smart people here. And, I mean, just to get through grade school, how many, how many tests do you have? How, how, how many experiments do you have to do? And how many hours of homework do you have to do? But think to go to college and to get a Ph.D. and a master's degree or whatever, how many books you have to read to understand whatever it is, the subject that you're trying to learn psychology or counseling or, or law or whatever it is, uh, architectural engineering or, or mathematics or science or biology or 
anatomy, you got to study and study and study. And yet, no matter how much you study, you could never teach somebody how to walk on water. And when he says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He's revealing this faith that says, look, I, I may not be full of faith, but I do understand one thing. Watch this. If God can do it, I can do it. Now, what kind of audacious faith is that? All these disciples are sitting here saying, sit down. Sit down. What are you doing? What do you mean if God can do it, I can do it? We don't have any record of anybody ever doing it. Elijah didn't walk on water. Moses didn't walk on water. My God, Abraham didn't walk on water. Yeah, but God's on water. And, 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 and if, I, if I pursue him, I can do anything that he's doing. So the next verse, watch this. Jesus gives Peter a Ph.D. on how to walk on water. One word, come. See, see how I just went. If I told y'all tonight, okay, you're dying of this. Okay, you got this problem. Oh, you, you want to be the greatest preacher, the greatest singer, the greatest prophet. Okay, this is what you do. You go home and to the boys. You shave your head bald. And you just wear black. You, you wear black clothes, black loafers, and you have to wear glasses all that. For six straight weeks, you can only wear the color black. Only wear the color black. And then every morning, you come to the altar. And what I want you to do is, I don't want you to kneel at the altar. I want you to stand on your head for the first 15 minutes of your one-hour prayer. And if you do that for six weeks, you will be the most anointed prophet You'd be the greatest preacher, the greatest. I'd have half of you do that right now. <laughs> but sometimes when the answer is so simple, we overlooked how profound and powerful it really is. Jesus looks at him and says this one word, come. 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 I know it's funny because we got people up here and they're not supposed to be up here and he don't even have shoes on. And it's real funny and giggly. But I wish somebody would hear what I hear in the spirit right now. In fact, I don't think I can hear it in my spirit. It doesn't sound like this anymore. Come. I hear the spirit crying out saying, Come. I hope you're not applauding my, my preaching right now. I hope when you're clapping, you're clapping because you say, I feel that too, preacher. I feel that too. Let me tell you something. Let me stop clapping for five minutes. Let me tell you something. We are in the midnight hour. We are in the last days. We are in the very last of last days. Do you see? I know some of you don't care about the news, and that's fine. But you do you still see what's going on around you? You see what's going on around this world. We are in the last of days. I'll tell y'all something, I feel a prophetic anointing upon me right now. God is done playing games with us. I said he's done playing casual games, casual church with us. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, he said to a lukewarm church, I stand at the door and I knock. Let me tell you something, that wasn't a little lazy casual knock. No, he was pounding on the door. It was a metaphor of their soul. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would hear my voice, I would step back in and I would have relationship with you. I can hear it, Brother Lehman. I hear it in my soul tonight. I hear the voice of the Lord shouting, come, come, come. What are you waiting for? It's not complicated. Come! Yeah, 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 but, but do you see the atmosphere we're in? Our music team isn't as good as this one, and our preaching isn't that great. We don't have a building like this, and we ain't got no IMAX like this either, and we ain't got this stuff, and we... Jesus is saying, 
By the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus Christ, I break every shackle off of your mind, your feet, your hands. Ah! Hear the voice of God saying, Come! The Bible says, and when Peter had gotten out of the boat, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all don't have to do this. We're stepping into a different dimension right now. But the disciples were probably reaching for him and saying, oh, wait, hey, oh. It's a storm, middle of the ocean. You'll sink. Stop. And then there's jealousy. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's jealousy and pride by our own peers. You know how we are to our brother? Oh, you're preaching tonight? Oh, I pray for you that you do good. And I pray he doesn't do too good. Oh, pastor called you out and prayed in front of everybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll fall. And that anointing will go right to his head. Oh, I love him, Jesus. I pray for him, Lord. Yeah, I, I want you to, I want you, don't, I don't want you to go to hell. I just don't want you to outshine me in the church. It's like Peter looked back at these guys and said, you're my brothers and I love you. But I ain't staying here. I don't know how to walk on water. But I ain't staying here. You know why? I'd rather make mistakes getting out of the boat than to play it safe in my pride and complacency. The Bible says he went on the water walking, walking on the water to go to Jesus. Does anybody know what happened next? It says, the next verse when he saw, not heard, not felt, saw, he took his eyes off of Jesus. Turn this way. And he saw the wind was what? That word in the Greek, do you know what that means? This is what it means. A forceful violence. When you're in the will of God, the wind will always be opposite and contrary. But the moment you leave average, the moment you leave complacency, the moment you leave monotony and you say, God, I want to walk in the atmosphere of a miracle, the wind ramps up, the fire gets seven times hotter, and devils get alerted. Satan gets on his walkie-talkie and says, hey, we need 20,000 demons in the sea right now. Peter's getting out of the boat. Hey, Sally's getting out of the boat. John's getting out of the boat. Hey, Simon's over here getting out of the boat. We can't be contrary anymore. We've got to be boisterous. And the wind became a forceful. See, contrary is like this. A forceful violence is to bow up your shoulders and attack with a violent force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. The wind said, I know I've been contrary, but the moment you got out of the boat, I'm going to break you down. I said it this morning. You see, some of you have family right now that they kind of put up with your little charade. They put up with this little game that you, you, you they think is a game. Oh, okay, church. Wow. Oh, Wednesday night too? Oh, Friday night? Youth church? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, youth conference and uh, youth congress and youth convention and wait, you're letting your hair grow long and Wait, why, why, are you, why are you wearing dresses? Hey, daughter, why, why, why are all you, that's all you wear now, skirts and dresses. And why, why have you removed all that makeup and jewelry and adornment? And Hey, young man, why, 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 why are you all of a sudden you acting different, looking different, talking different? 
the wind in your life becomes boisterous and tries to rip you to shreds. It wasn't a big deal when they just thought it was a charade and a little game. But when you got out of the boat, I feel the Holy Ghost. All hell tried to break loose and said, no, no, no. You're not going to go where you think you're going to go. And it says when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. But notice this. This is a word for deli of deliverance for you right now. It does not say he sank. It says beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Now, how many of you have ever jumped in water? A swimming pool, a lake, whatever. I know you got to get through three inches of ice. But how many of you have jumped? Okay, water with no ice. How fast does it take from the time your feet hit the water to the time your, the crest of your head surfaces the water? How fast? Almost instantly, right? Too fast to clock. I heard one, one, one friend of mine said, the grace of God has been clocked at the speed of your confession. Because it says he's beginning to sing. Just, just do like this. And he says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Go to the next verse. And it says, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Now, how fast? Remember, you jump in water and it's almost instantaneous. And in that short amount of time, Jesus didn't walk anymore. He wasn't taking a stroll anymore. This was salvation, Brother Alex. And when it's salvation, he's not reluctant. When it's salvation, he rushes. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. You see, when God knows uh, this is between heaven and hell right now, uh, this, is, this is whether you're going to sink or swim right now. Uh, this is whether you're going to live or die. Uh, this is whether you're going to be saved or not saved. Uh, I ain't taking a stroll no more. Uh, I will get there as fast uh, as I can get there. He stretched out his hand and caught him. And watch. Are you ready? I told you. I'm going to show you how much faith it takes to see a miracle. Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Did he have little faith after he sank? No. He always had this little faith. And he walked on water with little faith. But preacher, I don't have a lot of faith. Good, neither did he. He was able to walk on water. You know why? Because, in, he, oh, God. He stepped into the spiritual kingdom of God, which means this. The physical, the physics of this nature, the laws of physics don't apply anymore. You see, right now, what, what are they standing on? Their feet, right? When you walk, you walk on your feet and your legs. But in the atmosphere of a miracle, you don't walk on your feet and your legs anymore. He didn't stand on the water with his feet and his legs. He was walking on his eyes. As long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was on the water. He took his eyes off of Jesus and immediately down he went. Think about it. Come on. There's not more devils today than there were in that day. But there are more distractions today. Satan cannot, listen, he cannot reproduce himself, but he has produced a generation that is now more accessible to distraction than any other generation in history. The accessibility to distraction is astounding. Right now I could pull out a device and in 2.3 seconds, tell you what's going on across the earth. Tell you what everybody in my city is eating. Look at their food photos. Be distracted just like that. And it's not just a little distraction. It is an addiction. I know because I've been addicted to it. 
where the instant the light turns yellow and turns red, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just go like this. And I'm distracted. And so I've put some of these things away for a season. And all of a sudden, you can think I'm trying to be super spiritual, whatever you think. But all of a sudden, as I've put away and locked away these distractions, I can hear the voice of God as if it's sitting right here. And I remember saying to God, wow, God, you're finally talking to me. And God said, no, I was always talking. You just couldn't hear me. The Lord spoke to me and said, because small distractions produce great deception. And great deceptions bring darkness and division and ultimately destruction from Christ. But when Simon Peter cried out and said, Lord, save me instantly, he was there. Watch this now. Look at the next verse. He said, oh, you a little faith. But now watch. And when they got into the boat, watch this now. Hold on. Let, let, they, need, they need to understand this a little bit better. Get, get out here. All right. You walk. You, okay, keep walking, Peter. Come on. Okay, you sank right there. Jesus grabbed them. Watch this. This is important. Now, how'd they get back to the boat? They go swimming? No. They walk back on the water, back to the boat. Hey, can y'all walk back to the boat? Hold his arm while you do it. Now, look. Peter now has a walk with God that no one else has ever had before. Because he had a lot of faith? Because he was more anointed? No, because he said, I'm not staying in the boat anymore. You can sit in the boat all you want. But if the master said, come, here I go. I'm not staying. But look at this. Watch this. When they got back in the boat, the Bible says, and the wind ceased. That word in the Greek is kapazo. This is what it means. The wind, kapazo, to cease, to die. It means to get tired and weary until you give up fighting. The wind realized, oops, can't defeat him. Because even when I distract him, he knows what to do to get back up. Jesus! Somebody just lift your hands for a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, lift your voice for a moment. Let me tell you something. How to get into the atmosphere of a miracle. It is not when you guarantee God a commitment that says, God... I'm going to pray eight hours a day, fast eight days a week, and I'm never going to fall again. No. You get into the atmosphere of a miracle when you say this. I'm not staying where everybody else is staying. Even if it means I make a mistake. Even if I fumble the ball. I'm walking in the atmosphere of a miracle. Why? Because I've made up my mind that even when I fall, I shall arise. When I make a mistake, I'm going to cry out to Jesus. I was, I was in the state of Ohio just a couple of years ago at a youth event just like this. And on that Sunday morning, I stayed over to preach for the, the pastor there. We finished the service, prayed for people. People received the Holy Ghost. I was getting ready. To, I thought I was done, you know, and I grabbed my stuff, and I'm walking out like this, and the pastor grabs me. He says, Brother Green, look, there's two teenage girls over here. He said, they, they really need you to pray for them. I said, sure, I'll go pray for them. I start walking over to them, and they're two teenage girls, first-time visitors, tears streaming down their face. When I was just from here to there to them, and I could see they were depressed. They looked lonely. They looked desperate. But there was something beyond the pain that I, I could sense, and it was hunger. Everybody say hunger. They were hungry for something that they didn't even know they were hungry for. And I got up to them. 
Brother Lehman and I was going to go up to them and say, hey, what's your name? How are you? I'm Brother Chris. And, oh, you ever received the Holy Ghost? Okay. Well, this is what I want you to do. And I was going to have them repent and lift up your hand. We're going to do that tonight. I promise you I didn't even get to them to say any of those words. When I just got about right here to them, both of them started speaking in tongues as God filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, they spoke in other tongues for probably 15 or so minutes. Just standing there. Ha, just standing there, received the Holy Ghost. And when they finished, somebody came over and they said, Hey, uh, would you like to be baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away of your sins? They said, We'd love that. I, said, I told them as they were walking away, I said, Hey, when you get baptized and changed, I want you to come back out here and meet me. I want to hear your testimony. They gave each other a look like this. They were like, and they went up and got baptized. They came back down. It was an amazing celebration of their, their conversion. And, and they come down. They sit on the front row with me. And I said, okay, tell me your testimony. They said, testimony? What you, what you t we don't have a testimony. I said, oh, yeah, 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 you do. I said, the story of your life that up until 10 minutes ago was a tragedy and a shame. It's now a testimony. What is it? They put their arm around each other like this. They looked like the same age, but they were one year apart. And they said, we are foster sisters. The first one said, a couple of months ago, I overdosed to kill myself. She said, I succeeded at first. My mother found me, called the ambulance, 911, whatever. And they came and got me, took me to the ER. They resuscitated me in time. And... And 10 days later, when I was well enough to go home, they called my mom. And my mom said, I don't want her anymore. She's yours. Hung up the phone. They took me to this foster home. The sheriff came and picked me up and took me to this foster home. The next girl said, she said, yeah, a couple of months ago for me, my father, she said it was a few months back, my father was, was indicted on murder charges. He'll be in prison for life. After the trial, we came home, we went to bed, my brother and I woke up and my mom was gone. We didn't think much of it until she didn't come home that night, the next night, the next week, the next week, the next week, three weeks, abandoned, no father, no mother. My, my brother was 15, she said I was almost 17. She said it was school and I would get us up and I would wake us, I'd wake up my brother and we'd go to school and she said... Until one morning, I walked into his room, and there he was. He had taken his own life. I called 911. They came, and they got him. We had his funeral. They took me to a foster home. She said, I ran. Another foster home, I ran. Another foster home, I ran. Another foster home, I ran. She said, but just last week, they brought me to this foster home that I now go to with this girl who's my foster sister. She said, we're sisters now. I said, how'd you get to church? Your foster mom go here? They said, that's what's crazy. I'm like, that's what's crazy. They said, they said my foster, our foster mom don't go to church. They said, we woke up this morning. Our, our foster mom flipped on the light switch and said, girls, wake up. We're going to go find Jesus. They said, find Jesus. We got dressed. We got in the car. We said, where are we going to go find Jesus? Where are we going to go find Jesus? Our mom said, I have no idea, but I want us to bow our heads and pray. And we prayed and said, God, will you take us to the right church where we can find you there? And there they sat in an atmosphere that looked like a tragedy. But what they didn't know is they were in the atmosphere of a miracle. They came walking down, stood at the altar. Listen, they stood at that altar. And I'm not, this is not an indictment on that church, but they stood at that altar after every other Pentecostal person had left. That's when they got the Holy Ghost. They stayed because they were desperate, <laughs> hungry for something to 
They didn't know what it was. But what they were doing is they were waiting for Jesus to take a stroll upon the face of the waters. As they stood there by themselves, every other saint had gone. Jesus came walking into their storm in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea. God filled them with the Holy Ghost before they ever knew what the Holy Ghost was. I'm telling you right now, miracles will be released in this room tonight. Will you stand to your feet and will you lift up your hands? You see, there's got to be somebody desperate uh, like Simon Peter uh, that said, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, uh, but I'm desperate. Uh, I'm radical. Uh, I need something to change in my life. I can't stay in the storm. I can't keep going through this storm. I need the windbreaker to step in and say, peace, be still. Some of you need a miracle, but you got to get the faith to get out of the boat. I release you from the boat right now. I release you from the boat right now. Come. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit of God says, come. The word of the Lord says, come. The miraculous says, come. What are you doing staying in your seat right now? By the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, I release the gift of faith for these young people, for these youth pastors, for these wives, for these ministers to get out of their boat. Press in. There's room all over this altar. Press in. Come on, get desperate. Press in. Press in. Press in. There's about to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost right now. Can you hear my voice? There's about to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire in this room right now. If you want it, you better get up to this front. If you want it, you better get as close as you can. There's about to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you want it, press all the way in. It is the sign of your faith. It might be little, but I can do something here. I can do something.
Everybody hear me now. I'm not going to quench what God is already doing, but I want to position us. I want to position us to receive it. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you're a youth worker, youth pastor, and wife or spouse, I want you to come up on the platform as quickly as you can. All of our youth leaders, both husbands and wives, please make your way up to the platform behind me right here as quickly as you can. We'll get back in to the altar here in a moment. <laughs> but I feel an impartation of the Spirit of God and fire. The Lord says that where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. See, Jesus said, where two or three of you come together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. All of these youth workers right here are full of the spirit of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want you all to take a giant step forward just right here. And in a moment, we're going to lift up our hands over this crowd of people that have gotten out of the boat. You hadn't gotten out of your sin or your depression or your storm just yet, but you're out of the boat. Because you've gotten out of the boat, Jesus, Jesus has come nigh unto you. We're going to pray an impartation of the Spirit of God in this place. Hallelujah. And I prophesy that what would have taken place with just me praying in this pulpit will be tenfold now because we are joined together in unity. And we are going to pray the prayer together over this room. If you have a physical need of sickness in your body, any kind or any manner of sickness or pain, disease in your body, we should lift a hand right now and keep it up for a moment. Lift up a hand if you have any kind of pain or sickness all over the room. Amen. Thank you for your faith. In just a few moments, God is going to heal your body. And that goes for our, our youth leaders here. I was, just, I was in Australia, and something came upon me I had never thought of, never prayed for, never said in my life. And we were about to go pray. We had altar workers kind of like this here. And the Lord said, tell the altar workers that when my spirit of healing flows through them into someone else, it's going to heal their body too. And so I said that. And one of the altar workers comes running up to me a few minutes later and goes like this. Hey, look. I kid you not, I gave her a high five. She said, no, look. I said, what? She said, she said, I have arthritis. I have rheumatoid arthritis. She said just a few moments ago, my hand was like this. She said, I laid it on someone's head and instantly, pfft, it popped open. The pastor, two days later, she, gone, she went to her orthopedic. They took MRIs of the before and after. They said, there's no trace of rheumatoid arthritis in your arm or in your body. just to worship the Lord. Loose yourself in the Holy Ghost. Come on, loose yourself in the Holy Ghost. Loose yourself in the Holy Ghost. Everybody listen. In just a moment, in just a moment when we pray, I'm telling you, I stand right here and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want to fill and refill everyone here with my spirit tonight. So, if you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, raise your hand right now as quickly as you can. Right here, 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 here. Look at all the hands. Keep it up. Come on. All the way up. Hold on. Keep it up. Don't put it down. Keep it up high, please. 
Now, I need, leave it up, put it up high. There you go. That was like an inch higher. Now, I need apostolic men and women, young or old, filled with the Holy Ghost. If you see a boy, a young man around you, I need a young man to stand with. There's two young men here, one here, one over there. I can't see it. There's another young man, two more young men over there. Girls got the Holy Ghost. There's a young, young man here. There's a young lady here. I need ladies to find a lady. Now, don't touch them. Don't pray for them. Just stand near them because you're going to get refilled first. Now, this is what you're going to do. Come here. To all the rest of you that have already got the Holy Ghost, you're about to get it again. And it's going to be a fresh fire. You'll know it. Some of you are going to speak in a new tongue you've never spoken in before. You will feel fresh fire in your innermost being. We're all going to pray together. I just want you to identify who you're going to pray with. They're probably going to get the Holy Ghost before you have a chance to lay hands on them. But they for sure will get the Holy Ghost when you lay hands on them. Young men, young ladies, when you go to pray for that person, you're going to feel the refilling of the fire of God. You're going to turn around them, and you're not going to slap them, hit them, just with authority. Lift your hands, Brother Alex. You're going to lay your hand right here on top of their head, and you're going to say, in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. Just like that. And you're going to say those words until you see them speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives the words and the utterance through their tongue. Does everybody understand? Say yes. Are you ready? Shout yes. Shout yes. Now, that shout was nothing compared to the shout you're about to give to God. That was just a shout to me. But when you hear me say, in the name of Jesus, uh, I'm telling you there's angels all over this room right now. Let me tell you what the Spirit of the Lord is doing right now. The Spirit of the Lord is standing on edge, waiting to see who's going to shout their way out of the boat. Listen, don't do it yet. Everybody listen, get quiet. When you hear me say in the name of Jesus, your signal to God that I'm out of the boat is going to be with your mouth. Because your tongue is a deadly poison full of evil and wickedness and nobody can control it. So with that same thing, you're going to shout the name Jesus. When I say in the name of Jesus, you're going to get out of the boat by shouting the name Jesus and instantaneously when God sees you get out of that boat, he's not going to stand on edge anymore. He's going to release these ministering angels to you. He's going to release his spirit. And fire is going to fall on each and every one of you. And instantaneously, instanta some of you won't even be able to say the name of Jesus. Because the moment you open your mouth, the fire of God is going to fall and begin to flow from your innermost being. Somebody just say yes. Now what I want you to do is I want you to lift your hands as, as high as you can. As high as your arms will reach. Don't say anything yet. I want you to close your eyes. And those of you that are going to be refilled with that fire, you're going to turn around and lay your hand on somebody's head. Maybe you'll find somebody that needs healing. You're going to pray for them. But I want you to find that person that doesn't have the Holy Ghost in just a moment after you get refilled with it. I want your eyes closed, your hands raised to these altar workers behind me. I want you to stretch your hands forward to this congregation. And when we shout that name, you're going to get... These youth workers are about to be filled with fire. You're, uh, there's going to be a fresh oil and a fresh fire upon you. When we say that name, you're going to shout it and begin to speak in other tongues. I want you, everyone right now, I want you to tilt up your head high. Eyes closed, hands are raised, tilt up your head towards heaven and get ready to shout and be filled with the Spirit of God. By the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is only in your name, I release the gift of faith. Impart your Spirit to us that we shall be filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost and fire right now in the name of Jesus.
speak with other tongues.